Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Just before the pandemic, Alicia Fernandez Miranda found herself in her late 30s, CEO of her own company, happily married with twins, living the life she dreamed for herself in London. But one night, out with old friends, she let her mind wander. What if, she asked, she could do something else? Anything else for a few months. Not like wander the Alps, but a different job, a different sense of life. Wouldn't that be amazing just to feel that sense of the new? The thought stuck, and the adventures it led her on eventually became her new book, My What If Year. She joins us to talk about the miseries and opportunities of midlife. That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There can come a time in a person's life when they have to make a radical change, a pivot, a leap. It could be that things are bad or merely not exactly good or even good but somehow lacking. People handle it in different ways. They get puppies, move to new cities, messy divorces. And our guest this morning, Alicia Fernandez Miranda, was at one of those points, a pre-crossroads, not quite crying in the shower moment, and what she decided to do became her new book, My What If Year. Welcome to the show, Alicia. It's so good to talk with you. I am so happy to be here, Alexis. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so let's start there with that moment when you're kind of letting yourself realize that you're stuck in life. Despite the privilege and power and love you've amassed around you, you want to read that section from the beginning of the book? Sure. One more thought haunted me. A deep and dark one that came unwelcome in the hopeless hours just before sunrise when you're sure the day will never come. I was careening toward 40, and I was terrified of becoming what I had always feared since the first time I saw American Beauty as an impressionable 17-year-old. A sad, miserable, crying-in-the-shower middle-aged woman whose best years were behind her and who spent all her time dreaming about the what-ifs of her past and wishing desperately that she had chased them down. If I didn't do something now, she would be me. I was already crying into my coffee. I was halfway there. Over and over, I heard the same tiny question in my head. Is this it? It wasn't that I didn't have enough, or even that I didn't have everything I wanted. The problem was that I did have everything I wanted, or that I thought I had wanted, that I had worked towards so arduously and for so long. Everything that everyone I respected in my life especially my parents and grandparents before me, had hoped I would have. 
But what if this was all I was ever going to achieve? Was I finished trying new things, having new experiences, getting those butterflies in my tummy when I was nervous about pushing my own boundaries? I worried that I had made all the big decisions I was going to make, took the big risks, and that everything was going to be the same from here on out. Mm, that was Alicia Fernandez Miranda reading from her new book, My What If Year. You know, Alicia, you know, from the way you describe it, things were actually pretty good. So what was it about your life that was making you feel stuck or, or burnt out? You know, I've thought so much about this in the process of writing a memoir. You do spend a lot of time uh, really going through like therapy with your editor to ask those deep <laughs> questions. And Possibly also therapy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> They're all kinds of therapy. And, you know, I had it all on paper and I was doing all the things that I thought I had always wanted. And I was waking up in the morning and I wasn't excited. I felt listless and I felt still like I wasn't going anywhere. And that for me, for whatever reason you you want to therapize, was a really uncomfortable feeling. And it felt like it wasn't ever going to be any different. And it was a terrifying feeling. And I didn't want to share it with people for a long time because I felt so guilty that I was feeling that, you know, because I had so much and I should just be happy. I had been brought up to be grateful for what I had. And so it was very, very tough to actually let those thoughts come to the forefront to a point where I could do something about yeah. them. So how'd you come up with the idea then of basically becoming a serial 40-year-old intern? Yeah, now it's going to be like 41-year-old intern. I keep trying to get myself internships all the time. <laughs> My poor husband. Um, I think that like seed of the idea came from this lifelong love of musical theater. I have always loved musicals since I was a little kid. And there was a point at which uh, I was working with my consulting firm with the Old Vic Theater in London, amazing theater. And they had done this production of Kiss Me Kate. It was so good. I saw it three times. And I left one night and I was just kind of buzzing, like every nerve in my body was switched on. And I said to my husband, like, do you think if I volunteered to get coffees or fold playbills or clean up the stage, scrape gum from under the seats, that they would let me come and be part of rehearsals and be part of a production. Like, that would just be the most amazing thing I could ever do. And he was like, oh, haha, maybe you could ask. And then, you know, we sort of left it to the side. But it was an idea that had been in my head for a while. Mm. And I, the first time I actually articulated it to anybody was on a girls weekend with two of my best friends, Laura and Rebecca, and we were away from our kids, having a bunch of martinis, talking about our lives, thinking about the future, and I actually shared this thought out loud, and instead of laughing at me or saying what a ridiculous idea it was, like the good friends they are, they were very enthusiastic. We spent the whole rest of the night talking about all the internships we would do, and it sort of snowballed from there. Yeah. It's funny, our, our team, of course, as we've been talking about this show, everybody wants to get in on this. Everybody is like, you know what I would do? You know what I would do? Um, so I'll tell you what I would do, and then I'm going to ask listeners. I have thought about becoming a tugboat operator. Yes. <laughs> it is such a, I've actually been on a tugboat with the people operating them. It's so fun. I know no one who knows my maritime interest is surprised by that, but um, but it would just be uh, an amazing job to at least to have for, for a little while. And we want to know from listeners, what would you do if you could do any job you ever dreamed of for a few months? Like what is your, what if you're, look like. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. Think about that. What kind of job you would do if you could do anything 
for, for a few months. 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org and Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're KQED Forum. Um, one of our listeners, Jen, has already chimed in on Instagram that she would move to Italy to learn how to make true Italian uh, espresso. <laughs> I imagine oh. we might get some hospitality calls. Yeah, Jen, I'll come taste that espresso for you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so do you think there was something about kind of, you know, you'd been CEO of your own company going back to becoming an intern. Was was that actually part of it? Like you weren't trying to slide over and be CEO of a theater right away. You were going to like start at the bottom. Exactly. I mean, I had this, I, I think I was really at a place of burnout when I got to this point as well. And there was something very, very appealing about the idea of being able to walk into a professional setting where I didn't know everything and where nobody knew me and nobody was expecting a whole lot of me you know if if the playbills weren't folded the correct way if the napkins weren't in the right place if the silverware wasn't polished the whole thing was not going to come crashing down in any of my internships and that was so freeing for a short period of time because as ceo of my own company you know where when you're an entrepreneur you live and die by your own hand the responsibility had felt you know, really overwhelming for a while. And being able to just push that aside for a small period of time mm. was extraordinarily freeing. I felt like a huge weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. And at no point did I want to go in there and be the CEO of the theater company <laughs> or the fitness company. I was so happy being the intern. Yeah. All right, we're going to get to your jobs in one second. Let's uh, bring in Cody from Hayward, who has a dream job they'd like to try. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, my uh, my dream job would be to make cartoons. Uh, I uh, I've always wanted to be an animator ever since I was a little kid, and uh, now that I've uh, like I said reached my forties, uh, I really just like to sit and make goofy cartoons. <laughs> oh man, I love that! So cool. I love that you uh, and also my children. Uh, <laughs> you guys can, oh, can right? get yeah. together. <laughs> Um, Cody, uh, thanks. What's your what's your regular day job now? What would you be leaving? Uh, regular day job is well, it was tech stuff, but I got uh, I got swept up in the whole layoff thing, so maybe this is my new start. Oh man, yes, yeah, seriously, this could be this could be your moment. Uh, I'm sorry about that though, too. Um, hey, thanks so much for uh, for uh, calling, Cody. <laughs> um, okay, what was your first one, Alicia? Uh, your first internship that you got. So my first internship was to be able to shadow two productions, one on Broadway that was about to open called Flying Over Sunset. It was scheduled to open April 2020 at Lincoln Center. And then the second was an off-Broadway production of Assassins with the Classic Stage Company also in New York. And that was also scheduled to open in April 2020, which, if you're thinking back to that time, uh, caused some interesting uh, changes to the narrative of what of what we had set out to do. And I was, you know, I was really just delighted to be able to have any part of this. I had uh, gone in on an introduction from my very good friend, Laura's dad, John Weidman, who wrote Assassins and is a legendary theater writer. And uh, John had sort of said to me, don't, you know, just make sure you don't go in there like a Patagonia wearing Harvard tourist, you know, <laughs> these are professionals, they know what they're doing. They don't really need any help, but they're very graciously allowing you to kind of come in and be part of it. So of course, I became obsessed with figuring out how I could be helpful to their uh, to their process when I was doing it. 
I mean, did you learn that you wanted to get more involved in the theater? Or did you get a look at it and say, okay, I appreciate this. I'm a lover of musical theater. I don't actually need to make musical theater. I would love the opportunity to be part of musical theater in some way. I mean, the the thing that was amazing that I learned is that there are so many pieces of a production. So there are actually lots of ways that I could potentially get involved in the future at some point. I think what you see as an audience member is just this very small piece of what is years and years of work by hundreds of people sometimes who are all doing, you know, incredible jobs and very, very different and diverse mm-hmm. jobs. But, mm-hmm. oh, my God, if somebody called today and was like, do you want to come be an intern again on any production? I would apologize to my family and then say <laughs> yes, for sure, because it's still it's still the dream. Yeah. We're talking with author Alicia Fernandez Miranda about her new book, My What If Year. We're also taking your calls and comments um, on what you would do if you could do any job you ever dreamed of for a few months. I gave you my first one. It was tugboat operator. Um, My second one is I've always wanted to run a small museum, like a teensy tiny museum. Like you've been up to the Dutra Museum of Dredging History in Rio Vista. Uh, One house, uh, just dredging history. I would totally do that. Um, The other question we have for uh, listeners is, have you ever left a job that you or other people considered a dream job? Like, why'd you leave? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. or KQED Forum. Zane writes in with a great thing that he'd love to do. I would work at the Cal Academy of Sciences and clean and hopefully eventually get to help set up the aquariums. Oh, yes. That is such a good one. <laughs> if you've ever seen one of the scuba divers inside the aquarium, that has to be one of the greatest, um, yeah, one of the greatest things to see. This is, uh, we're giving you some musical theater. This is Flying Over from Flying Over Sunset. It's a sapphire dragonfly. We'll be back with more with Alicia Fernandez Miranda right after the break. I see a dragonfly, a sapphire dragonfly. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking with the author Alicia Fernandez Miranda about her new book, My What If Year, Um, sharing a couple other listener uh, comments here. Cheryl writes, I would help train seeing eye dogs. That also does seem like an excellent and uh, meaningful and also relaxing career. That sounds nice. Um, And Ira, who was on the phone but had to go, 
uh, wanted to be a train conductor. Oh my god, I love all of these. <laughs> That's a good. I have to say, I, I've been following some of the labor struggles on the railroads, though. I'm not sure you actually want to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, some of the logistics of this. Like, how did you actually kind of plan the logistics of like taking this time away from your work and kind of getting your family to agree to have you go to New York or wherever other place you'd be going? So uh, a lot, a lot of slow convincing. I think I started with one internship, not a year of internships, which was an easier way to get everybody to come around to the idea. I mean, my family was very supportive from the beginning. I will say, I think the initial challenge for my husband was that we had built our business together, mm. and he had been very proud of the fact that we had done that. And I think me articulating to him that I wasn't happy doing that anymore. I didn't want to do that anymore was difficult for him to get his head around because yeah. you know he couldn't really understand why. So that took some time and many conversations. But once he sort of got to the point where he had wrapped his head around that, he was like, all right, let's go. He was my number one champion. So he was very, very supportive, even if he didn't quite realize what it was going to mean for him mm -hmm. to have me gone for that time. Um, on the work front, you know, I started really, I was very small. I kind of built it as a series of mini sabbaticals. I was going to take <laughs> these short periods of time off. Anybody could call me anytime they wanted. I would still be available, but I was just going to dip, dip in and out for a little while, almost like I was taking an extra long vacation. Mm -hmm. And that was in part to make sure I didn't spook the horses, but also because <laughs> that's kind of what I was telling myself at the time. Like I wasn't ready to fathom that I was going to do this huge life pivot at the time it was very much like okay i'm gonna go try this and then i'll just i'll probably feel better and i'll come back to my normal job and everything will be fine um and then once i had kind of done all of those things i had to try to get internships which was extremely difficult as a harvard educated ceo no one wanted to hire me for free most yeah, people they were like, what are you doing here yeah. exactly most people didn't even respond you know to my queries and i was just emailing i was finding everybody i knew on linkedin asking anybody for an informational coffee, let me explain my project, let me send you my resume, really like work in the phones, you know, or the digital phones, I guess, to try to get anybody to give me an opportunity. All right, we're going to get to your next internship in one second because it's pretty funny. Um, but first, Eric in Petaluma. Hi. Uh, hi, good morning. Um, yeah, this is a great topic. I've all, I grew up in Ireland, in Dublin. And I used to watch cowboy movies every Sunday afternoon, and it always rained in Ireland on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> but I used, to, I, I used to pay attention to where the, the cowboy movies were made. You know, like John Ford and Monument Valley, the Spaghetti Westerns, Clint Eastwood and Mono Lake. You know, the... the, the, the uh, yeah, anyway, for sure. I, since cool. in the 60s, I started going to all these movie locations. And I rigged up my truck, and now I go camping on a regular basis. My son just turned 20. He's been to most of these places. Most are in the desert. But it has just been a lifelong. Think of the job description. We're shooting a movie. We need long valley shots. We need two lakes, snow-capped mountains, and a river. Here's 10 grand and a camera. Come wow. back in six weeks. Can you imagine having a job like that? Roaming I mean... the Wild West? I also love that you're like, I'm from Ireland where it rains all the time. I'm going to scout desert locations. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, in my childhood, every Sunday it rained and they would show a matinee movie and it was usually a cowboy. And because of the greenery in Ireland and the rain and the dry desert, 
with no rain, I was just attracted to it. Oh, and I've man. been to nearly every cowboy location, and I, wow. I constantly now still roam the West. And uh, I just loved it. But what a great topic. Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, thank you, Eric. As a one-time resident of the Pacific Northwest, I feel you. I totally get it. <laughs> thank you so hey, my much. My mom used to say, no rain, no flowers. <laughs> That's a good point. A That's a good point. I'm preparing that. for the super bloom as we speak. Um, so, uh, Alicia, you got to Broadway. You got to do your internships. And right as you're coming towards the end, the pandemic hits and you're stuck like everybody else in your house, padding around in your sweatpants. Um, but you wanted to keep going with this internship uh, project. So what were you able to get that allowed you to, to keep this going, even though you were you know, on, on a more intense lockdown than we actually ever had here uh, in England? Yeah, we could not leave the house. Uh, kids were home from school. I mean, it was, it was so surreal. And you know, on a, on a very selfish level, just kind of devastating because I had put so much effort into this internship project. I had an internship lined up at Christie's, the auction house, and that got canceled because no one was back in the office. So I was actually wearing sweatpants because I was also just like baking a lot and not leaving my house. Mm-hmm. And those were the only things that I could put on in the morning. And I then sort of kind of started to think about, okay, what could I do in this very strange time where nobody is in an office and lots of industries are having these, you know, huge crises. Mm -hmm. But there was one industry that had always been kind of on my long list that was uh, sort of like blossoming. And it was online fitness because everybody else was in their sweatpants in their living room. (laughs) And uh, after a few weeks of baked goods was like, oh my gosh, I have to move. And so Uh, I had a friend and my old personal trainer, Frankie Taylor. She had started a company in London called Retro Glow, and they did uh, retro dance and fitness classes. So like Britney versus Christina Barr or, you know, like 80s hairband bums and tums and things like that. And she (laughs) she ran all these amazing classes in person, and all of a sudden, there she was on my Instagram feed doing this from her living room. And so I reached out to her and I basically begged her. I was like, remember when we talked about me doing an internship for you? What if you let me be your virtual intern for the next, you know, month or six weeks and help you get started in the kind of virtual fitness game? And she was happy to oblige, or at least she pretended she was. Um, But I was so grateful for the opportunity to keep going with my project. Oh, man. And did you, I mean, did you enjoy online fitness? I mean, I've done my fair share of online fitness classes. I don't know that I would want to teach one, though. It was different than I imagined. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I credit that internship and the relationship that I had with Frankie during that time and being forced to every single day get up and try a different exercise trend, you know, home voguing yoga and meditations and gong baths. And I was doing aerobics from this woman in Sydney, Australia, who looked like an actual Barbie. And I mean, I was doing all of these like random, but physical things. And I really do credit that with getting me through the worst part of the first lockdown that we had in the UK, because I was moving, I was active, I was I felt like I had a purpose and I had something to do. And obviously I had another purpose. I had many other purposes, taking care of my kids, being worried about my family, making sure the business was going to stay afloat. But it was this, this thing that I was able to do just for me. You know, I mean, I think running any sort of fitness business is like 10 or 15% of the really fun stuff you see, like the picking out the playlists and choreographing mm-hmm. the moves and performing and doing all of that. And then the rest of it is running 
a business, which is some, what I had already been doing. So I didn't right. really want to do that again. Um, but I did, uh, I did enjoy the classes part and uh, all of that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a ham. So I was yeah. really happy to do <laughs> that part of it. But the other stuff was not really for me. We are talking with uh, Alicia Fernandez Miranda about her new book, My What If Year. And we're talking about kind of if you could do any job that you've ever dreamed of, like Eric, who wants to be a desert location scout because he's from Ireland and it always rained on Sundays. What would you do if you could do something uh, just for a few months? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email. We've got tons of emails coming in, and they're very funny. Forum at kqed.org. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, it's KQED Forum. Uh, Here's a few more, um, Alicia. Kathy writes, OMG, I have always dreamed of being an intern at NPR, but I thought I'm too old for that, or I'd be taking away an internship spot from someone just starting her career. I'm a successful college professor in my mid-50s, but if I find myself wondering, what else? This is a great show. I can't wait to read the book. Ah, oh, Kathy. <laughs> it's uh, there's so many different kinds of internships True. here at the station. Um, if you're interested, there is a page <laughs> you can apply. We actually have had um, interns of of all ages. Um, Susan writes. Uh, this is about leaving uh, one of the jobs. I left a cool job as a TV news reporter, and many folks couldn't understand why. The real answer. Too much pressure to look good. I ended up working behind the scenes and writing my dream job to be a voiceover artist. Susan, if this was a TV show, I guarantee you I would not be long for this job. (laughs) 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 The skincare regimens are already too complicated as far as I'm concerned. Um, Let's see. Uh, Jesus writes on Instagram, if I could, I would fulfill my lifelong dream of being a paleontologist. Like one of my younger brothers, I'm fascinated by the biological sciences. However, he ended up doing his PhD in rangeland management, and I'm still stuck trying to become an architect, which was another dream job. Wow. Yeah. Any of these appeal to you? Mm, paleontology sounds kind of cool. Yeah, that one, that. I mean, the, the thing about all these jobs where you essentially drive around in a truck and camp somewhere, those actually do seem like they would be fun for a few weeks. Yeah, know? exactly. For a short period of time, I think I would enjoy. I think I would enjoy almost anything for a short period of time, including being a tugboat captain, your dream job. You're like in the air, on the water. And it's just it's amazing to learn about how people spend their working life and there's just so much out there. So, yeah, I'd do paleontology. That sounds cool. I could do yeah. it in the desert with uh, all the on the location <laughs> yeah, shots. Yeah, exactly. And it's two birds with one stone. <laughs> I mean, the thing about, here's the coolest thing I learned about tugboats. A, their schedule is amazing. Like, sometimes they work like a week on, a week off, or two weeks on, two weeks off. They also, where they sleep, is under the water level. Cool. So they hear the sounds of here, you know, the bay. They hear the sounds of the bay as they sleep, which always struck me as a little bit creepy, but also really fun. Um, That sounds awesome. I I, kind of think you should do that. Maybe. One day. One day. Uh, Being a journalist, you kind of get to do it for like three hours. Maybe not three (laughs) weeks, but three hours. Um, Let's bring in another call. We've got Kristen in Larkspur who has a question for you. Hi there. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Um, Okay. So, Alicia, I'm actually reading your book right now. um, Thank you. I am, and I'm really enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I'm a recent empty nester. My last kid just left for college. And so I think actually what you what you went through that year is truly applicable to someone like me. I've been working for 20 years, but still got a, a, a hopefully another 20 good ones in me to do something productive out in the world. 
And um, so, but my question is this, what I struggle with is, even though my kids are like 18 and 20 years old, they still come home for the summertime. And some of these opportunities I've been looking into involve being gone for, you know, like a month. And Mm -hmm. I struggle with that. Like, how do you leave your family? Because either, maybe this is a maternal thing, but yeah, we tie ourselves down to these obligations we have. And how do you get beyond that and start pursuing your thing with your family still in tow, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's such a good question. And I mean, you know, originally I was like, maybe I should follow the eat, pray, love uh, (laughs) kind of uh, template set out. But then I realized I could not leave my family for a whole year at a time and Mm -hmm. go eat pasta and uh, surf in Bali. Although that does sound really amazing. Maybe (laughs) I can bring them with me. I mean, it's a really tough question. And you know, it's definitely one that my husband would not be asked, I think. Uh, and so, but I think that there is this feeling among mothers in particular that not just that we have to be there, but that we want to be there. And it does feel hard to leave my kids and my family for the period of time I need to. I mean, the the best story that I can share is, you know, my twins were six born six weeks early. They were very, very tiny. And I was just like every new mom, like extremely stressed out and overwhelmed when I brought them home. And I was trying to breastfeed and pump and supplement with formula to like keep them alive because they were so small. And I was absolutely miserable. And I went to the pediatrician when the twins were about six weeks old, like a frazzled, you know, lady pulling all her hair out. And he said to me, he said, you know what, there's all everything that you need to do is to take care of yourself enough so that you can take care of these humans. If you are not a whole person, you cannot be a good mother. So whether that means dropping the breastfeeding or the pumping or whatever, you need to figure out how you can prioritize yourself because that will make you a better mother. And I would say the same thing to you. I think it is tough in the short term to think about leaving my kids for sure for a period of time. It's still tough. I'm out on book tour and it's hard when I leave, but I know that I need to do these things to make myself the kind of person that can be the kind of mother that I want to be and the kind of person that I want to be. So I try to keep the long term in mind. And I think they are starting to see how important it is for me to be able to do this and that it is better for them in the long run, even when it's hard. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of think think and project out. I'm sure your kids would miss you, mm-hmm. but uh, now's your time. Like, yeah, they're gone. Time. They're gone. Yeah. 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 I think you should do it. Um, thanks, Kristen. Um, let's go to uh, Jen in San Francisco. Hi. Hey, Jen. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I am having a really hard time listening to this. As I get ready to go to one of my three jobs to support myself with all the education I have that I, you know, can't take time off from the company that I run and that I was CEO of, I, you know, can't support myself to do that. And I think we're not talking about the privilege that it takes or it took for her to to do this, you know? Like, you are going to do these internships that maybe a 20-year-old who needs to get started in a career could have had. You're getting them via your connections. You had a personal trainer. Your friend's father wrote a Broadway or an off-Broadway play. Um, this is, you know, I get it's fun to talk about what other jobs and careers you might have, but this is, I don't, yeah, it, it's really difficult to listen to this, honestly. Well, Alicia, how would you respond to Jen? I hear you, Jen, and I think being aware of and recognizing the privilege that I had to be able to do this is not something that I take lightly, and, you know, I don't, 
I could sit here and give you all sorts of defenses. I mean, I'll, there are some basic things. So I live in the UK, for example, which means that I always have national health care. I don't have to worry if I leave my job and do something different if I'm going to lose my health insurance. That's never something I've had to worry about in the 15 years that I've been abroad. You know, I started my own business and was in a financial position that I could take some time off and still have it running and going. So, you know, extraordinarily fortunate to be able to do this. I was really conscious of making sure that I didn't take opportunities from others. You know, these were not advertised or posted internships, which in the UK, by the way, are all required to be paid. And many of them are reserved for young people. So that was in my mind as well. You know, these were work experience opportunities. But the fact is, I was extremely, extremely lucky to be able to do that. Part of that is the systemic things that exist around me that enabled me to do that and in the place where I live. And, you know, part of it was certainly, you know, it was just, it was luck. It was luck. And I do feel you and I hear you. And I hope that there are opportunities for you to find things that you want to and are able to do. Um, the other thing I will say is that I've been partnering on my book tour with the Posse Foundation, who I don't know if you have come across. They are an amazing organization that exists across the U.S., and they help young people access scholarships, internships, and work experience opportunities. Um, and they do that by helping them create and build networks. You know, I grew up with a very modest background. I grew up in Miami. My dad was a Cuban immigrant, and I did not understand the power of networks to help you get where you wanted to go professionally until I went to Harvard and realized, oh, damn, a lot of other people realize what is happening here. And this is how you get jobs and you get internships. And so, you know, I've been supporting Posse in order to make sure that other kids have that opportunity. But, you know, it's a great question. It's a great yeah. question. Thanks for that, Jen. Appreciate that uh, that perspective. Um, you know, a couple uh, other listener comments. One listener writes bursting my bubble. I actually went out to the tugboats to try to get a job, and an old salty dog tried to persuade me not to do it. He said it was too <laughs> tough a life. Uh, and Lisa writes, I left my dream job of a biological technician at the Institute of Northern Forestry in Alaska to get married and go traveling around the world. That seems pretty good, too. Um, there's another... Uh, Todd writes, large dirt-moving equipment operator. Shovels, end loaders, bulldozers, tractors, graders, all of it. That sounds like a fun Love job. It. We'll be back with more with Alicia fernandez Miranda right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with author Alicia Fernandez-Miranda about her new book, My What If Year. We're also taking your calls on 
what you would do if you could do any job that you've dreamed of for a few months. Um, I do have two more that I wanted to share. Uh, one is I would love to work in a botanical garden. That seems like an amazing, just all the care and dedication that you see the staff, they put into like each and every plant so they know what it needs. Um, And the other is, I'd love to work digitizing materials at the African American Museum and Library in Oakland, um, which is, has such an amazing collection and is so under-resourced and needs help, like digitizing all these amazing oral histories they have um, of our area. So those would be amazing jobs that I would love to try. Um, what would you want to try? The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email comments, questions to forum at kqed.org. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum. Um, before we get into your last two inter- internships, let's uh, get to Robert in San Francisco. Welcome. Oh, hi, Alexis. Thank you for everything that you do. This is very therapeutic. Um, it doesn't involve necessarily going off the beaten path to find an opportunity. I was working for a real estate development and property management company in 2015 in the financial district on Sansomon, Washington. And I looked at the directory in the lobby. I just stopped and looked and saw the tenants that were in the building. And lo and behold, Habitat for Humanity, which is related because it's housing, Mm-hmm. Uh, it has their Northern California office in that building, and I asked if they were looking for a volunteer. So it was a three-second elevator ride, one floor above us <laughs> from where I was working, and it was just, I think, being open and spontaneous and uh, just walking up to somebody and greeting them and asking them if they had a volunteer opportunity. Wow. So I'll take any commentary off the air. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, I mean, Alicia, I think one of the um, lessons I take from Robert's call is while you were in the midst of like a big life change, you were going to change a lot of things. Mm. Um, there's kind of these small opportunities to try out new things, to volunteer, to do different things uh, all around us. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, the ideas that have been coming in from listeners you know, you could, I'm sure that your local botanic garden has a volunteer program. It's I'm sure the <laughs> library would love the opportunity to have someone come in and help with, with digitizing the files. I mean, it, there is so much out there. And I think that, you know, it, it ended up being a year, it ended up being four internships, and it ended up being a big life change. But when I went into this experience, you know, I'm like a very risk-averse person. So... I had all my ducks and my safety nets lined up, and I was thinking, I'm just going to try this and come back. I'm going to do something very small. And it was a series of small step after small step after small step that got me to making this 180-degree pivot in my life, really. But it didn't start out that way. And I think sometimes the fear of something huge is what stops people from moving forward because Mm -hmm. they feel like, oh, this is such a big change in my life. And it is incredibly difficult to imagine making a huge change in any area of your life. But it doesn't necessarily have to be all at once. I think that there are small steps that we can take, whether it's, you know, going to sign up for a volunteer project with Habitat. That's such a great example. And who knows where those opportunities are going to take you. So one of the things that came up with our team when we were talking about jobs we would like to try. There were a lot of things in that hospitality realm, you know, bartender of a small place in Japan <laughs> with 12 Love seats, it. you know, different different things like that. Um, you got to actually try out kind of the, 
working in uh, hospitality, like in a hotel in rural, rural Scotland. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I mean, yeah. it was physically the most challenging thing, definitely the most challenging job I've ever had. I had worked as a bartender when I was in my 20s, and uh, I just, I don't know, my bones were like better equipped for that kind of work <laughs> than I think, and my joints. Um, you know, it was amazing to be on the other side of it. I think hospitality is a really tough, tough industry to work in, especially since COVID, maybe even before, but certainly, you know, things have shifted so dramatically from that industry and how they really had to be shut down for so long. Mm-hmm. But it is full of people who often come to it because they delight in that sense of adventure, especially being on the Isle of Skye. I mean, you know, when you go to work out there, you move out there because you're not living in a city and commuting in, you know, you are changing your entire lifestyle. And some of the people that I worked with came as far as from Australia, or they had come from all over Europe, or different parts of Scotland and the UK, and they had made a choice to come and be part of Sky, and they were interested in being part of the service industry because they loved making people happy and have these magical experiences. Not everybody certainly was like that, but there were a lot of them, and they were, frankly, a joyful bunch to work with. <laughs> um, here's a few other dream jobs, quickies that are that are fun in this way. One listener writes, I'd love to spend a year learning how to make soap and herbal remedies. Another oh, cool. listener writes, I would like to try being a luthier, a maker of stringed instruments. Wow. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, Scott... If I could do one job for a short amount of time, it would be an astronaut. I've been successful as a science communicator pretending to be a rocket scientist on the internet, but I do it for real in a heartbeat. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Diana teaching us a new word. I'd be a nephologist. That's someone who studies clouds, so I could live with my head in the clouds for just a little bit. Um, Alex would be a drafting assistant, took a drafting class uh, in... Junior high, loved it, but realized that no one did anything on paper anymore. <laughs> uh, and, okay, I think that's... Oh, and this is a fun one. A listener writes on Instagram, for, for a few months, I would walk the states from Oregon to Florida. That's a long way. Wow. I, I have had... I will admit, I have had those before. You know, the Pacific Crest Trail, Appalachian Trail, but... I my current thing is I'd like to walk from Antioch to Sacramento, which I this is not your biome, but this is like kind of through the delta uh, of of the San Francisco Bay. How cool! How long would that take you? Uh, I think it would take like four or five days. It's oh, like, that's, that know. seems very doable. Yeah, that's very doable. You know, it'd be my first trek. Um, let's bring in uh, Bob in San Jose before we talk about your last uh, internship. Uh, Bob, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us your story. I um, yeah, I would like to actually return to a job that was just an amazing part of my life. I'd like to return to West Africa, Sierra Leone, where in the early 90s I was practicing to become a trauma surgeon. Oh, wow. Um, kind of OJT <laughs> during their Civil War. Wow. And it was just electric it was an amazing time and i would go back there in a heartbeat i mean it must have been hard to work with so many you know people who were going through such a difficult time was it just that you felt like you could provide direct service like you could what you were doing was helping people immediately right then and in a major way 
kind of, yeah, it was um, oddly, I, I had a small exposure to medicine uh, early on in my life in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is like an opportunity to be in a, yet another civil war three decades later, pretty much on the other side wow. of the table. Uh, uh, and, and it was, um, like I said, it's electric. And I'm actually writing a book on this because it's, it, to me, it was amazing. It opened up my eyes that I could do anything that I wanted as long as I just had the desire to do it and you know, the willingness to just step up to the plate to do it. Yeah. It sounds that sounds like, like a story that needs to be told. Yeah. And also sounds like maybe it helped, you know, kind of reprocess some of the things from, from decades earlier as well. Um Alicia, let's talk about your final uh, internship um, or the one that kind of led to the next phase of life. Mm. It was in the art world. Yeah. So I had this internship as Christie's. As I said, as I said, it got canceled. And I didn't think, I thought that was kind of the end of my art world ambitions. But I reached out to a friend of mine who I'd known for 10 years, uh, kind of very well-known on the London scene contemporary art dealer named Harry Blaine. And I said, Harry, do you know anybody that would be willing to give me an internship in spite of the fact that we have just come out of a terrible lockdown and are probably going into another one? And he said, actually, I'm starting something new. Do you want to come help me out with that? And so uh, Harry is an art dealer, so he buys and sells contemporary painting and sculpture. Um, and he does that for the very top tier of the market. So we're talking like $10 million Hockneys and Frida Kahlo's and these just unbelievable pieces of art, uh, many of which don't exist in museums and are only in private collections that I got a chance to see. Um, and so I came into this world that I thought I was going to know really well because I had minored in art history in college. So I'm like, oh, yeah, if I, I got this. And the first day I show up, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know any of the words. It's been 20 years. I've forgotten everything. And I was so on the back foot for so much of that internship and also feeling, you know, definite imposter syndrome like that wasn't really my world. I didn't grow up. Uh, in an arty family. We didn't go to museums. We got all our art at Bed Bath & Beyond, which is nothing <laughs> to say about that, but just like my parents were just not people that were into art, and Miami was not the art mecca that it is now in the 90s and 80s. So um, it was just constantly challenging, but I really, really loved it, and I loved being part of that world. Yeah, that's so interesting. I um, One of our listeners writes in to say, I'd like to narrate audiobooks or have a radio talk show. When you go pilot Tugboats, Alexis, can I have your job? <laughs> Adriana, let's make dreams happen here. Email me, amadrigal at kqed.org. We'll get you in the studio. You can see what it's like. Oh, we'll my even, God. That's you can amazing. even talk into the microphone. It'll be fun. Um, so amadrigal at kqed.org. Um, we also have uh, someone who called in actually left a, a voicemail. Um, Samel, I believe, uh, is the name in Vallejo. Let's listen in. Hi, my name is Samel. I'm calling from Vallejo. If I could do any job for a few months, it would be to be an editor, um, a fiction editor, where I would sit and read books, (laughs) and that would be my job. And I picture it as this beautiful, quiet space with soft lighting, kind of like a library Um, I worked for a publisher in the 1980s, and all the editors just seemed to have the most amazing jobs. I was a creative writing 
uh, minor and an English major in college, and it was my dream, and I did not have the networks or contacts to understand how to navigate that before the Internet. So it never happened, but that would be my ultimate dream. Thanks. Love that. That would, I mean, I agree. That would be a lot of fun. Um, little uh, quick lightning round, some more. Uh, Gavin writes in to say, I'd like to try out habitat restoration or wildlife rehabilitation, being awesome. outdoors and caring for nature. Sounds great, albeit muddy time. <laughs> Probably would sleep pretty well at the end of the day. Eric writes, this one I hadn't thought of, product durability tester in any manufacturing facility. All day I get paid to try to break stuff. Talk about a stress-free <laughs> home life. <laughs> Uh, Steve tweets, I'm working my dream job now as an athletic coach after recently being released from my former employer due to a reduction in force, a.k.a. layoff. Um, and I have we have a, a couple of fun people who ended up leaving their dream jobs. Um, Carla writes, I had a dream job for 34 years. I was a children's librarian. I love this. I suppose you could say I left it. I retired. I feel deeply for all public and especially school librarians who want nothing more than to make young people love reading and to supply them with materials that make them laugh, cry, learn, and help them to live their best lives in a civil society with the freedom to read and who are battling forces who want to shut that down. Carla, you sound like an amazing school librarian. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, Here's uh, Joanne. Uh, I was a pastry chef for 20 years in San Francisco and Portland, Oregon. I met many famous chefs and trained in Italy. I had a bakery in Portland, Oregon for six years. I quit because of long hours and no money for the amount of hard work. I had two sons, began working in the Beaverton School District. That's up in Portland, Oregon, for those who don't know. I'm now 18 years doing tech support in the schools. During COVID, it was hard work supporting online education. Mm -hmm. But my dream job is to refinish furniture and learn upholstery repurposing instead of repurchasing. Um, God, I love all those. Thank you for all these calls and comments. Um, Alicia, as you think about, you know, your takeaways from this what if year, um, what do you what are you taking with you as you you know go back into a, a changed life and a changed world, really? Absolutely. I mean, the whole world changed during the period that I was doing this. I think I learned so much about myself and the things that had been stopping me from doing something like this earlier. You know, I think very rightly so there are practical and actual real barriers that stop people from making changes in their lives. You know, those exist. And those existed for me and I had to work around them, you know, albeit I had uh, many advantages to do that. But then there were all of these kind of emotional and psychological barriers that I had just come to believe were part of my you know, DNA that I couldn't overcome in any way. Like I'm not a right-brained person or I couldn't possibly do something that was going to have a high probability of failure because I was terrified of failure my entire (laughs) life. And that was like basically guiding all of my decisions. Mm. And, you know, all of these things that I thought I could not do and that I couldn't change. And so what this experience taught me is that I could do something different. I could go into a job, be horrible at it as I was with some of my internships and not just survive, but actually thrive, grow, not ever get invited back to do those jobs, but love the experience and learn from them. And so my big takeaways have been one in what is a very challenging time to live in to really center joy as much as is practical and possible in my life to try to say yes to opportunities that are going to bring me joy and that are going to give me a chance to learn and 
that are going to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable because I've kind of realized I need that to feel like I'm moving forward and like I'm growing. And, you know, that can be applied to anything. It doesn't have to be a year of internships or leaving your job. You know, it could be any sort of experience that forces you to think about yourself in a different way and to make yourself feel slightly uncomfortable, maybe off balance, but, you know, to learn from that and grow from that. Yeah. Two final comments. They're both really great. Years Scott writes, Years ago, I worked in an office with a woman that lived in the what-if universe. She wanted to travel and live in Japan like I did, and she would ask me so many questions about it. And every time that I'd proposed taking the big step, she countered with reasons why she couldn't. Mm. Money, family responsibilities, kids, work, bills. I tried to offer suggestions, but the excuses were always greater than her desire to just do it. One day, we all got coffee at the break room, and we all walked to our respective cubicles. She went to hers and had a massive heart attack. She passed away in the hospital. I've retold this story many times to people because life is a limited time opportunity. Wow. One last uh, comment a listener writes, this discussion is inspiring. How nice to have the freedom and financial security to dream and try out what you love. I was a single mother who had to stick with it to pay the mortgage, raise my children, and save money for the future when perhaps I can try out my dream job in my later years. We're rooting for you. Yeah. Um, we have been talking with author Alicia Fernandez Miranda about her new book, My What If Year. Thank you so much, Alicia. It's so nice to talk with you. It's so great to be here. Thank you, everybody, for sharing your stories and your ideas. And I heard very few that don't seem like they could be doable on a very small step, an evening, a weekend. You know, right? give it a try. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, poco a poco. You know, we're making Exactamente. it. Exactamente. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you so much again. Um, this hour of forum is produced by Blanca Torres, Grace Wan, Lakshmi Sarah, and Catherine Monahan. Marlena Jackson Rotondo is our engagement producer. Judy Campbell's lead producer. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Brandon Willard. Our interns are Lulu Ralda and Jericho Reininger. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. You've been listening to Forum. Adriana, don't forget to email me about coming on the show. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with guest host Leslie McClurg. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.